Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Headlines Podcast. I'm Sean Davis. I'll be by myself for this episode. We're joined by co-host. Uh, actually, I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, I'm Zim, Zim Hude on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm just a Bengals fan that really likes the Bengals. <laughs> co-host of the Orange is the New Black Podcast. Really quickly before we get started, can you tell us about your podcast is actually a uh, shout out to my guy Warren who guys connected and set up the episode. So how'd you, uh, how'd you guys start your own podcast? So I started my own podcast all along. Um, you know, before I did the orange is the new black podcast, I did a podcast that was just a Zim Hude podcast. If you look in the Apple store, you probably see that. Like I probably had like a hundred, you know, five star reviews. So I, I used to do a podcast by myself. Um, then as I kept on going along, doing a lot of stuff on Instagram, um, then I connected with Ace, uh, New Stripe City. And so we formed the two together and then started doing um, a podcast for the last, it's been like, what, about a year and a half or it's almost two years now, I guess. Yeah, that kind of time flies. But yeah, before then, I had a podcast on my own where I would just, yeah, set up, do it myself, live in my bedroom. Uh, I used to interview players and stuff early on, solo, and then I would do like live streams on Instagram. A lot of people just know me from Twitter and stuff now, but like Instagram is where I was. I just got on Twitter like probably like eight nine months ago. Honestly, I've been on Instagram like all the time. So so let's talk. So you guys had AJ Green on. This was something I really wanted to discuss. So I listened to a little bit of your interview with AJ, and I got to listen to the whole thing. What the hell? <laughs> so as I listened to some of that, I, I really started. I was like, um, "You can't tell me." I want to hear your thoughts on it. Like, especially like the first few weeks of the season, I was like, "AJ, looking." I mean, the speed will probably never be there again. But you can't tell me AJ couldn't be a number two receiver in an offense. And then he, as the season progressed, he was done with Cincinnati. They just pretty much took him out of the offense. What did you see from AJ to like the first few weeks of the season before it just all started to go downhill? I mean, for me, early in the season, um, you know, like I would talk to AJ too, you know, like it was super positive. Like even people that saw like clips and stuff from practice, it, it was like the same old AJ to me. I just think the staff was trying to, they weren't able to adapt to what he was doing or what his new role would be. If you look at 2018, they would use him a lot of like at a Z wide receiver position where they were interchanging inside and outside. Uh, they were trying to use him as, a, as just a pure outside threat and against the better corners in the NFL, that's just not going to work. That's not where he's at in his career. So early in the season, even if you look at week one, you know, he's got the game winning touchdown, you know, and then they, you know, they called him for pushing off or whatever. But as the season progressed, they started. It was, a, I feel like they both kind of had a little bit of action going on. So it is what it is, but it wasn't enough to get cold or, you know, like that. I always, I'll never forget that game. But uh, as the season progressed, I think they were still trying to do some of the same stuff. And you would just see a lot of just dead, you know, passes where Joe Burrow early on was, was struggling to go with a deep ball. And then AJ Green was struggling to get separation. And one thing that I, I noticed, and I kept on saying this on my lives, is that AJ Green, I think because he was trying to preserve like that, that ankle and everything or the foot injury, he wasn't jumping up. Like AJ has never been a big separation guy, but he yeah. always has been able to elevate over people, make some crazy catches and different stuff like that. All the contested passes where he would have to jump up or whatever, he wasn't even jumping for those passes. Um, the only passes that they were complete were like slants and stuff. And, you know, teams caught caught on to that and so then it opened up the door for Higgins who is isn't the biggest outside receiving threat but you know 21 year old T Higgins you know like he's gonna you know he's probably fresh off a of full five currently right now you know he's a better outside threat I think they were like moving him along if you look at AJ Green as far as his targets like you know weeks one through eight is probably the very lowest in the NFL like it was like a 50 percent you know, rate, which is very low for a wide receiver. Like, you need to be, like, in the 70s at lowest. Like, you know, like, so it just didn't work out. And then after a while, they phased them out. The part that was, I think, probably frustrating to him is that they were phasing them out 
in games where guys weren't even playing. Like it, it was like literally games like Tyler Boyd would go out or something. I forgot what game that was, but they still weren't even going to him or, you know, that, that was the part where I think got frustrated to him. So then people see the thing on the sideline, they're like, them reading his, his lips. And I don't know if he said this or not, but he's like, you know, wanted to trade me because at that point, he's like totally phased out. The Indianapolis game. Yeah, it, but at that point, he totally knows, just like you just said, I know I could be a number two and at the very worst, a number three. For To go a whole game without throwing a ball to me, that's kind of silly. But fans from a, a, you know, I'm always more in favor of the players, I guess, in that standpoint. And I, and I, person, and I know AJ. Um, it's easy for fans to say, oh, he gave up. But I would say that they gave up on him first. And he gave them how many years that we all cheer for? Eight, so, nine. It's all right. Like, yeah. so, so eight, nine years of GOAT level status stuff, not a complaint, not anything in the world. I thought it was very frustrating for me, for fans to be like, oh, he's giving up. Oh, he's not. He's been talking bad about him then because to me, Unless he did something illegal or something like that, I couldn't. I can't talk bad about AJ Green. Like he's some of my best moments in life are from AJ Green. Would you say uh, before we move on to like uh, AJ in Arizona and the rest of the Bengals going into this upcoming season? Would you say AJ Green's probably going to go down as the greatest Bengals receiver ever? There's a couple other ones who are right up there with them, but he's the greatest one that I ever witnessed. And I and I really I'm a big Chad Johnson fan, you know, but. For me, he's the best one that I've ever uh, witnessed. And, and like I said, there was a there was a, a period where Chad Johnson, I think, for eight years straight, on, on in himself too, was like very dominant. Um, it was a different. It was it was different though. AJ Green, I think, was actually do way more than Chad ever was, and that's why I kind of give him that edge. Anybody else before then, you know, like. You know, I'm not old enough to witness. I don't remember Charles. I mean, I say Charles, Carl Pickens and, mm-hmm. and the Eddie Browns and all these guys like that. I've seen highlights. I know what they've done, but I can't really, you know, I can't speak on those guys because I wasn't really old enough to really watch them like that. But I, I, I know that they're the truth, too. Yeah. So AJ going on to Arizona promises last AJ Green talk. Um, AJ <laughs> Green, I didn't think I would hear anything about AJ Green today. <laughs> AJ going down to Arizona, play with my guy, Kyler Murray, um, pairing him with DeAndre Hopkins. I think AJ is just going to show the world this year that he's still, like last year was almost like a fluke. How do you think he'll play in Arizona this year? It's kind of hard to like predict stuff like that, but. I feel like Arizona is one of those teams that that I think are going to take the next step. You know, last year you saw bits and pieces of it. So um, one of my, I, I consider him a friend too, Drake Kirkpatrick, when he was on the team last year, like we were just looking at a lot of different things, you know, like how they compare to other teams. And there were a couple of holes that we, I said, well, these are different positions where I think that they probably wouldn't go up against or be a contender for a championship. Um, I think they fixed those holes this off season. So uh, to have AJ Green is maybe like a third option, you know, you know, at this point is really, really good. So I think, I think he'll go off. I think he'll go off. Now, what, what's your definition of going off? Like for me is play every single game, maybe get six targets a game uh, at minimum and, you know, get about four, four catches, maybe 80 yards on average. You'll probably end up now with the extra game. You can end up with eight, 900 yards. And to me, if AJ puts together maybe let's say two seasons of that, I think he's a lot for the Hall of Fame. If he just gives us two seasons of that. Yeah, um, especially like but, I feel like the criteria for the Hall of Fame nowadays, like people are no disrespect to Julian Edelman, but I mean, like there, there's certain guys who haven't even touched the Hall of Fame yet, and we're giving right. consideration to, to Jules. But yeah, absolutely, AJ would have to. He put a couple more seasons together like that. He would my best that. friend, my best friend is a Kent State alumni. He's like the biggest Edelman fan I know, and even he wouldn't ever. <laughs> put Julian Edelman Edelman in the same conversation to any of those guys. And and that same friend, though, the funny thing is, at the beginning of the year, I'm in a fantasy league with him. He was like, yeah, AJ is done. I was like, AJ done? He was like, watch. He was was saying something on film that I wasn't. So he he just felt as though he was uh, missing a step. But life is about, you know, not even like just football. Is about a lot of different times, like the moment and what is what is the setup and what is the, you know, like, what is it aligned to be like, what, it, you know, 
that's why Jamar Chase works so well for us. I think it's because it's no pressure on him to be what AJ Green was his first year in the league. And that is a unicorn situation. Normally you get a Jamar Chase going to a team like, say he would have went to the Dolphins or say he would have went to the Lions who absolutely have no wide receivers at the yeah. I mean, for the Lions. It would have put so much pressure on him, double teams out the ass. Like, it would have been so crazy that maybe he goes off. Maybe he does have a Justin Jefferson type year. But more times than not, those guys kind of phase out or they don't do whatever because they get so much pressure on him early. He'll never see a double coverage coverage here unless another wide receiver is hurt. You know, so that in itself. And then having one of the premier quarterbacks in the league, like, if you're from the outside in, I can't tell you that the Bengals, are going to win a Super Bowl. But even if I'm the most pessimistic person in the world, you have to be smart enough to understand that just just the the formalities of what's lining up and how that how that aligns. I think on paper the defense is probably the worst defense in the division. But the same person that the same person that might feel that same way can't turn the blind eye or turn the other cheek and say you could show me three threats that are that elite, like the most elite slot wide receiver in the division, uh, yeah, same, probably same, argu- same. Ar- arguably the rookie of the year with T. Higgins in the division. And then now you're adding the very best now. And this is a wide receiver that every single person felt is clear in the head above all the rest of the wide receivers in the draft. Like there was draft a, endless anyway. All the corners that came out, the first round ones, the the AJ Terrells, all the all the Cam Dancers, all that they, when they were asked. Who was the best wide receiver that they saw? It was Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase's sophomore year, they were saying he was probably the number one wide receiver, like, in the country. So you're talking about that, and you're combining that with this Tom Brady-like, mental-like, not not the skill. We don't know what Joe Burrow will be, but just the mental makeup of it with that, uh, just being able to process information and get the ball to these guys and Joe Mixon. Like, you you cannot be on the outside looking in and tell me that that's not something that nobody else in the division can offer that. Period. Yeah, and, and really quickly, since I feel like we're on track towards the draft conversation, so my guy Warren, again, shout out to him. The entire draft process when I evaluate some players, even though Jamar Chase is my wide receiver one, obviously, I had him compared to A.J. Brown. Warren absolutely hated that. He said more... Allen Robinson, I wanted to wonder, I wondered where you fell on that spectrum. I feel, in my opinion, obviously, AJ Brown was the correct pro comp because without the year, this past year, we don't really know how much the route running improved, the release. Obviously, it's a lot quicker than I expected um, due to his 40 time. What were your thoughts on that? That's a good one. You, you know, the one that I. It, 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 and it's funny that you said that because one of the things that I got, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Walter Football. We interviewed mm-hmm. the guys from Walter Football before, and the guy said, yeah, he reminds me of Julio. And I said, maybe more so like Julio, but a smaller version of it because he probably won't be mossing people or high-pointing the football as much. But if you go look at a lot of highlights, even the ones that I post a lot, Zim underscore who they on Instagram, uh, if you look at a lot of highlights, they're always him eight times out of ten. Just jumping over somebody. So A.J. Brown runs a little different. Jamar Chase has a lot more lower body strength. So when you look at, like, I think, um, like a Saquon Barkley or something, it's very evident you could look at, like, you can see his lower body. It's just so hard to bring him down. A.J. Brown is like that, but the stride to get to the football is a little bit different. Jamar Chase is like a a running back when he gets it. Uh, A.J. Brown is really close, though. I think the build, though, his body build is a little bit like, um, Amari Cooper, as far as like his stature, his height, uh, the lower body and the strength of him is more like AJ Brown. Speed, kind of like AJ Brown. Like, and I think it's going to it's going to shock a lot of people because when teams start to say, "Okay, this guy's breaking tackles and he's making big plays," <laughs> it's going to start to like move the coverage. And when the coverage moves, we already know like T Higgins and Tyler Boyd like. I, I just, I'm excited, man. That's like, <laughs> like, like, like it, 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 and then anybody that's telling you, you're the same boy that's probably telling you, well, you're going to get Joe Burrow killed. Let me tell people about the NFL. Nobody's doing seven-step drops anymore. So, like, this concept of you having the very best line, let's look at the very best line. That's the Cleveland Browns, right? That's the best line in the NFL. Baker Mayfield has more time, but it's, it's he, more he does it. It's more than the scheme. 
it's more to the scheme. It's more like rollouts, and and, it's, and they get yeah. them. They get them in. They get them in rhythm a lot, right? They're back in the day, like when I was a kid. Yeah, you would have these teams going, and you would have like these long seven-step drops, and guys airing it out. Players got faster on offense and defense. Sound the ball's got to come out quick. So anybody that's thinking that uh, that's just Quentin Spain, he's an average offensive lineman. Him versus a top 10 guard at the position, let's just say that, probably gives you a half a second in a drop back. Like if we're talking about like the Browns guard versus Quentin Spain. Now, uh, you know, maybe Joe Burrow, instead of him getting hit 80 times, he gets hit 92 times as a result of not having the most elite guard. But it doesn't change the fact that this is the route we're running, this is the play, and the ball's got to come out. So, like, people that don't understand that about offensive line play or are trying to say, well, you got to get the very best offensive line, the teams that had the very best offensive lines, like the Cleveland Browns, they fall short when they get into the big moments and they don't have the skill positions. So you could do all that all you want. When you get to the playoffs, by the time you get to the second round, coaching takes over and skill positions take over and the best players play and the best players win the game. When we lose to the Steelers or whatever, what was the thing that always happened? Antonio Brown always made a play at the most always made a play always made a play at the end of the game it's not about like the offensive line being able to somehow get Dan Roethlisberger extra three four seconds or a bigger hole and ultimately that's how they won that's ultimately how they control the football game I agree but that's not how you win in clinch moments anybody that disagrees go watch the Browns Chiefs game when Patrick Mahomes goes out Cleveland Browns have no OBJ they're relying on skill positions, and those skill positions, they, they all filled them with all the time in the world. Uh, Dagan Mayfield has the play where the guy goes and the, the guy drops the ball into the end zone. It yep. gives him a touchback or something like that. The other guy, I can't even think of his name. I think it's Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, Donovan. Yep. Back, back of the end zone, drops a pass in the end zone. Another play, like their skill positions are what filled them. They could have easily won that game if they just had one OBJ, one Jamar Chase, or anything like that when when it's clutch when it's clutch yeah. time you need those guys yeah so you touched on coaching and i personally think the Bengals should fire zach taylor this year and go grab joe Bur uh joe brady it's too many yeah. jokes um so how do you feel about zach taylor i feel like this is pretty much just a one last chance for zach taylor and then you go snag joe brady what are your thoughts on zach taylor and who do you think they should be the coach of the future Okay, so I've answered this a couple times on some stuff. Like, this is what's going to happen. The fall guy is Lou Anarumo because the only scenario I could see early in the season, say the Bengals don't put up a bunch of points, but it's because they fall behind early in games. Like I said, I think it's the worst defense in the division, if I'm being honest, against the rest of the, the AFC North. Mm -hmm. They fall behind in, in games. Okay, so then they get rid of Lou before they even get rid of Zach. In order for Zach Taylor to be fired or something like that, he'll make it through a whole season. In order for him to be fired, they would have to come out of the season winning six or less games. Anything above six will give them the average Bengal fan enough hope to say, okay, well, we can build on that. <laughs> but this is what I would tell everybody that's listening to this right now. Joe Burrow with me coaching gives you five wins with me coaching. <laughs> So if you know, like so, so so what did so what did what did Zach Taylor do last year? He won two games that he shouldn't have won, or he outcoached somebody. The Titans game and the Steelers, and the Steelers game. game. Yep. All right. So if he's able to put together three of those games where he's outcoaching somebody or whatever, they should win eight games. They should be eight and nine when the season is over, and that would be good enough. Anything less than that to me, I'm a no. Like I already felt like how you felt like. Okay, that's not the coach. But then I'm going to tell you, I got to roll with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow emphatically said, this is the guy. He's a genius. Y'all wait and see a bunch of times. So for me, if that's the leader and, you know, at first I was like, man, he, don't, he doesn't know enough. He's just a rookie. But I think he's smart enough. He worked out with Whitworth in the offseason. He worked out with, like, guys that I really, really respect. And for him to come out after that and definitively say, this guy is going to be great is a big stamp of approval that's why i say the first i'm, I'm sorry somebody somebody was trying to call me that's why i was saying the very the, the very first um the very first sign that um 
that uh, he he would be gone or whatever. It's like if he failed to get to like eight wins or something like that. And but they would let him go the whole length of the season. And then like you like you said, Joe Brady all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, it just makes too much sense. You put your you get Jamar Chase the chemistry with them, and then you just bring Joe Brady in, who has some NFL experience now in Carolina. And Carolina, I think Carolina's gonna have a really good year this year as well. Um, right. So defensively. Um, Free agency in the draft. I thought you guys had a really solid draft uh, with the chase pick. I was pounding the table hard for either Cosby or Jenkins, especially in the second yes. round. I had a first round. You get Jackson Carmen, which is fine, I guess. Um, what, was your, what was your biggest takeaway from you guys' drafts and free agency? Um, the, 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 uh, I tell this to everybody. Um, somebody wrote me this yesterday. They said, well, if Spain... Or Xavier Suafilo, who are the guards that are, you know, on our team now, um, if they happen to win the guard spots or whatever, then you know I'm fine with that. And I'm not. I'm I'm I would hate it because seeing the board, the way that it plays out, Cosme goes number 51 to the Washington football team. Uh guys that you like Wyatt Davis goes like all these guys that I know are better than Jackson Carr. Well, well, I don't see now after the draft, what happened is I started taking a deeper dive. I talked to people like Willie Anderson and people that I really respect as far as like offensive linemen. And they tell me out of everybody, like, you know, the measurables was off, different things that um, like the wingspan, the arm length and different things like that weren't recorded correctly. So he's bigger than what he looks. He is behind Seven Jenkins, probably the most violent offensive lineman in the draft too. Um, I think he'll do well, but this is how I, I would know it would fail to me. Year one, he has to start because if he doesn't, it, it then you'll have a million people saying, well, you should have directed Panay Sewell. And um, Jackson Carmen represents to me like he has to start. And if he doesn't start, it's, it's damn near a bust. It's a mistake. Yeah, it's, it's a bust. Yeah, so like, like I, up, all the way up until, because I would go back and forth with Warren, like throughout the entire draft, draft process, take Sewell, you'll get a wide receiver, like whether it's Brown or Telewas or somebody. He was like, no, hated no, 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 I hated that. That's why I wanted Jamar Chase. I hated right. that. I hated that. I, I hated the wide receiver options, though. Right. And you'll say, no, 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 take Chase, take Chase. They come draft now. We're like, okay, fine. You take Chase. And then Tevin Jenkins slides. Simeon Kazi slides. I'm like, oh, crap. The Bengals might pull both. And yeah, you take Jackson Carmen. So I agree. I think this is, you have to start him. And for whatever reason, I don't understand why Tevin Jenkins, like, he wasn't, from my understanding, he wasn't even on their radar. Mm. Hey, hey, can I pause this and then I'm gonna come right back on here? Yeah, is that possible? Yeah, All right, let me let me do this real agree with you. Like I would have. All right, so yeah, uh, you you're talking about Tevin Jenkins. Like, well, yeah, I don't understand at all why he. Now the justification is this: the trade back that they got is an absolute steal. Like, I don't know how they pulled that off to get two yeah. force just by moving back eight eight spots is insane. Like, if you look at a draft chart, that's like an extra pick for no reason. Like, so what they got out of it on the back end of it, I think justifies the pick. But for me, Jackson Carmen, I really like the more and more I start deep diving into it, I think it's what it is. Is like uh, Bengals fans, a lot of us felt as though we've done all these mocks. We do 100 mocks a day. <laughs> nobody's got nobody's got Jackson Carmen going that early. I always had Jackson Carmen going like into the second or maybe third, like all the time. Even before the draft, I listed him as like maybe like the sixth option that I would. It was so many guys. Yeah. So for them to trade back in the spot, they still had the Wyatt Davis Cosme thing right there. I thought Leatherwood went super, super early, but that was a guy I thought he wasn't one of my favorites, but I just thought like at the at the part where it was at, I yeah. thought that was going to be the best value. But Cosme, as far as like upside and everything, I feel like Washington got a steal. Like I just the upside of Cosme. Chicago like, for only having three picks for trading up for fields, they had a great draft. Right, right, right. Yeah. So who would you say would be like your three winners? Like overall, who would you say were like the three biggest winners of the draft? I'm not sure though, because for me, I don't really pay attention to anybody except the Bengals for the most part. I do look at everybody's draft, but I don't take a deep dive after the fact. So I wouldn't be the best person to give you like a real answer. Like I know like you were talking about like Taiwan Wallace went to the Ravens. I, I know like different players that I thought like went, got really, really good value at the spots. I know some people that always draft crazy like the Raiders and the Seahawks. They always give me like these questionable 
you know, type of things. But I thought the Browns came away with it. It's so easy for the teams that had like 10 picks and stuff for you to sit and say, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, they won the draft because they're getting an extra, you know, three guys. So it's it's hard to say. Like, I'm one of them people that until they play it out, like, I don't see so much crazy stuff happen. Like, I just read a, a story about Justin Blackman, you know, trying to make a, a return back to the league, um, you know, I just read a story about uh, Justin Blackman trying to make a return back to the league or whatever. And, you know, like, I remember him coming out. His measurables and stuff, his RAS was like yeah. 10.0 for everything. But that's a guy that never made it, you know. So, <laughs> like, you, you don't know until these guys actually get out there. Injury is always a, a, a big thing. And then the fit. That's why I think the Jamar Chase joint is so crazy to me because the fit, it's very few times I've ever seen a team have like an elite player that they have the ability to say, I don't have to rely or put everything on your back. Like in contrast, go look at the Steelers who had a, I didn't, I didn't like their draft, but to draft the running back in the first round, he That's better be special. Pick. He better be special, but they don't yeah. have the luxury, but check this out. They don't have the luxury of using him as a luxury because yeah. You use a first-round pick. I don't know if you saw his deal yesterday. It's a whole lot of guaranteed money. So for their system and what they do, I wouldn't have gotten a running back. It, it plays into the Bengals fan. It plays into our hands because he could be a, he could be amazing running back. But the likelihood of a running back playing now 17 games and now is the focal point. Like, now you have to thrust them into the offense. See the difference? Like, they don't have any other option or viable option that, that they could go to. They have to thrust him into the thing. Jamar Chase could literally not play a couple games, and most Bengals fans might bitch a little bit about it, but you probably wouldn't know because they still got Tyler Boyd, they still got T. Higgins, right. and they still got and they still got Auden Tate. It's so different when you're talking, you're trying to take a rookie and say, "I need you to do this, this, this. I need you." It, it, this is the most important thing for a running back too: pass protection. If he can't pass protect on third down or whatever, like we saw Joe Mixon's first couple years. You're now saying you're going to use a first-round pick on a guy that has to – he can only play two downs? You know, like that's hey, running big. Backs, running backs only last normally in a 16-game season six or so years. Like, when they hit 30, it's over. Right. And you add in the extra game and however many – how deep you go into the playoffs. And yeah, right. yeah, that's tough. Look, look at – I mean, look at Leonard Fournette. As a, as a prospect, like – you mean to tell me you feel it like Leonard Fournette was wrapped, I think, number eight overall, maybe something like that. But at the time, Leonard Fournette was they were thinking they might take him like four or five. There are some special running backs, like I would say, like Saquon Barkley is very special. Say he didn't get injured, you probably most fans probably have a different perspective on him. But Najee Harris is a really good running back, and you know, I think he'll be a fine running back. But to say that he's a big time different maker like that to me is not a, you know, like that's what the draft is all about. It's like, can I get a player that I don't have to put everything on and I can give him the most uh, resources to succeed from their coaching scheme and their, and their running backs have proven that every running back is going to have success in that system. But year one, they're asking him to do a lot. And that's especially with like their offensive line is really, getting older so it's not like even baltimore pittsburgh and, and then they, and then they try to get yeah and then they try to go get really young because see they drafted kendrick green and never guy that i like he has to start at center yeah you see what i'm saying the only position i could i feel like that to me on our team that that's like that year one is the kicker that we drafted in the fifth round which i think is high and i and i think he'll be a great kicker but say he's not justin tecker fifth round is too high right. um uh, and and then uh, and then the Carmen pick. If Carmen doesn't start, then it's just human nature to say, "Well, y'all could have got Tevin. Oh, they literally could have just went up two spots and got Tevin Jenkins, who argued. He was my favorite offensive lineman in the draft. Oh yeah, he was my favorite. He wasn't my favorite one, but no, like, he was I mean, my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> he was my favorite. I thought he. I, I liked him better than Penesu. I, I would have. I, I, if they would have stayed put. I thought that we should have – I said this before the draft. I said, draft Jamar Chase, trade back up into the first and get Tevin Jenkins, and you won't even think about Panay Sewell for the rest of your life. And then you could have came back and got a Wyatt Davis and a Cosme or something. Now think about that combo versus what they came out with. 
They came up with Carmen, a backup center, and Trey Hill, who might not even make the team. And then the other guy, Deontay Smith, who you're that is a project. His wingspan, arm length, 65 inches, everything is crazy. But that's not a guy that you can count on year one or anything like that. You're right. going to get nothing out of it. In contrast, if they would have did it the way that I wanted to do it, I think they would have came off a, a lot better. But you wouldn't have had all these luxury picks and the extra fourth-round picks. So I think a lot of people will lean on that. But redoing the draft, I mean, yeah, I go Tevin Jenkins, come back, get Cosme, come back, get Wyatt Davis or something. Like, just short bets at guard. Like, yeah, they'll never be a tackle in the NFL, but – I know that they start like that's the sweet spot for elite teams. Like people, second round pick is a is a premium pick. I tell people that if you go look at the best guards in the league or whatever, like nine times out of ten, the good teams drafted them like second, third round. Like that's just the sweet spot for guards, and they stay there. Yeah. Uh, what impact do you think? Obviously, the Jamar and Joe Burrow connect. How? What impact do you think Jamar Chase is going to have on the offense? You one. I think it's going to light the league up, honestly. I think – I don't know if you ever remember, we had a 2005 team that was – and this is going back to what I was saying about Chad Johnson, is that he was never forced to be the guy like A.J. Green came in when he came in. When uh, Chad Johnson came in, he had other guys there, you know, like – yeah, Peter Ward was there at first. He ended up – his, you know, he got hurt and all these different things, but it ended up being T.J., Rest in peace, Chris Henry, who was mm-hmm. the ultimate deep threat, and then Chad Johnson. So it, it's the same mode. They're just trying to recreate the same exact thing. And what it does, it makes it so that Chad Johnson always sees single coverage. And back then, nobody could cover him. Like his yeah. route running ability was off the charts. That's something A.J. Green didn't have is that route running ability just because of the frame of their bodies and everything like that. It's just not that way. But A.J. Green high points of football, like really, really crazy. And he's just amazing wide receiver. But Chad Johnson never had the pressure that A.J. Green. That's what what A.J. Green did was so incredible. Like people got to understand that Dalton to be an average quarterback and to be like he had him playing at a Pro Bowl level. He had Andy Dalton before he broke his thumb being in the MVP conversation. Right. In an MVP conversation, you had Dalton. In Pro Bowl, you know, Pro Bowl backup, you know, com- you know, in the Pro Bowl, if you go look at the stats of games where A.J. Green didn't play, they had a losing record in those games. The games that they did play for like a six, seven year stretch, you got to think Bengals went to the playoffs five times out of eight. And in that stretch, it was A.J. Green going, A.J., that's an A.J. Green, A.J. Green just going crazy on the league, damn near by itself, like putting them with guys like Andrew Hawkins and, you know, like the, there's some guys like Mosa knew and um, and Marvin Jones ended up being fine threats, but he only had them for a small amount of time. Yeah. And Tyler Eifert, you know, is a is a is a, a big piece of that puzzle, too. And I think they're trying to recreate that some of that stuff. So the impact of it, I think, is like like in paper. I think the 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 floor is a thousand yards for Jamar Chase year one. Like, that's the floor. With 17 games, I might have said – if it was 16 games, I might say maybe 900 games. 17 games, if he plays 14 out of 17, guaranteed 1,000 yards. I think week one, you could book this. Jamar Chase, 80 yards, one touchdown. Week one. Because teams aren't going to know what he could do, how he could do, or whatever. They're only yeah. going to be looking at film from what they had before. From two years Year ago. One, yeah, from two, two – you can't even use that. So, say you did. Your team, so you mean to tell me we play the Vikings week one. You got three corners that you feel comfortable with that you could put on an island with those dudes. And if they don't, you got to help them with your safety help. So, and, and now, uh, uh, what's the dude that they, their safety is really good? The Harris. Uh, Harrison, Harrison Smith. Harrison? Yeah. Yeah, Harrison Smith. So they got that one, the one safety. All right. So who are you helping? You can't help everybody. That's, you know, that's what Steelers, people think the Steelers, uh, you know, just are some rough and tough pound with it. Ben Roethlisberger been throwing for 400 yards for 10 years with this same formula. He always had a Wheaton, a Marcus Wheaton, uh, a speed person on the outside. He always had a slot guy that's going to go crazy. Like, you know, like Johnson, 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 Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, yeah, like, so they always had that same formula. Bengals tried to, you know, like those two teams, they've done that a lot. Browns, when they didn't do that, like like I said, they failed for all those years because what happened is they went to the draft. Um, and if you're a Browns fan, I'm here to tell you that you suck. 
You went 19 years. You went 19 years before you went to the playoffs. So in this interview, I've just literally told you that we went to the playoffs five times in eight years and nobody gave us no award for it. So you don't get an award for winning one game. So I'm here to tell you that, Mr. Browns fan. <laughs> you went 19 years and then you won one game. Cool. We get it. But how did they feel? Because every year they had the pressure from the outside saying, draft Panay, draft this quarterback, draft like all over and over again. When you're chasing that, you'll lose every single time. That's why I was so happy and so on board with the Jamar Chase pick. Go look at their picks. That's how they end up with those quarterbacks that they ended up with. That's how they ended up with the offensive linemen that they ended up with. They never had difference makers. So what do you think would be like a realistic expectation going to the season for the Bengals? Like you said, maybe next, well, actually really quickly before we get to that, you guys get Trey Hendrickson and you lose Carl Lawson. I think you should have just kept Carl Lawson because Trey Hendrickson, I think a lot of his production came from playing with Cameron Jordan last year. So how do you feel about you guys letting Carl Lawson go? I think they're two different types of guys. It's like, I think Trey Hendrickson is going to play the run a little bit better than Carl Lawson did. Um, I think Trey Hendrickson and Carl Lawson's motors are, are generally the same, but it, you're right to say that Cam, he was, he was definitely, uh, you know, benefited from getting Cam Jordan there. Right. But in contrast, Carl Lawson always played with Dunlap on the other end. He always played with Geno Atkins, you know, like who is a Hall of Famer, like first ballot, you know what I'm saying? So he always had that. So that argument doesn't really hold too much weight because Carl Lawson, when he didn't have those guys, he wasn't really that much of a factor. His sack numbers are never really that godly. He always created a lot of pressures on third right. down. If you if you could get Carl Lawson in a scenario, like, and I told um, uh, Jets fans that, if you can get him in a scenario where you have a lead or you are close in a game and another team is forced to pass, you, he's going to absolutely destroy games. But when what happened with Carl Lawson with us, I think, is that a lot of times we're playing from behind. So that one second of hesitation, you're not going to get the sack numbers that you want. So in that regard, Hendrickson always played with a lead, right, because he played for the Saints and you know, it's third down, you know, go rush. It, it, there is no one option for anybody. So that's what guys right. think. I think what they did, though, to get Osai in the draft, I think it's like a Carl Lawson Jr. Or, you know, like, and I think he could probably maybe even be better than Carl Lawson. Yeah. You couple, you couple that with the fact that DJ Reader, who is a super, super underrated, you know, signing from us, is going to fill the void. Or I, I like the, the makeup of what they did, but to say that, Hendrickson has the athleticism of, of, of a Carl Lawson is, yeah, like you're 100% correct. Like, they're, that's night and day. Carl Lawson is a freak. But so is Asai. But, you know, oh, he's yeah, a I love Asai. So. Asai was probably my favorite edge rusher outside of Jalen right. Phillips, but he had the uh, health concerns. But Asai mm -hmm. was probably my favorite edge rusher coming out. So I definitely, in the third round, that's great value. Um, right. So now – you know, the division feels like it's starting to turn a little bit. Cleveland had a good year last year. Uh, they reloaded Baltimore, trying to give Lamar some help. And Pittsburgh seems like they're running until the wheels fall off. And the Bengals um, made some pieces. What do you think is some realistic expectations for the Bengals going into this season? Record-wise, I can't tell you, but I can tell you this. I think that if if it's anything like it was last year when Joe Burrow was healthy, they're gonna be you know there's there's gonna they're gonna win some games just because teams can't score 24, 27 points with them. I think like when Joe Burrow was healthy, like even the game he got hurt, the first half of that game he wasn't touched. He dominated the game. It was very clear like the 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 defense gave up a touchdown early in that game. They were down seven nothing or something like that. Comes roaring back. If you don't have the firepower to keep them coming back, like the two Browns games that they had, they had the fire. Baker was in a rhythm, and they had the firepower. Like they, they were running like crazy, doing whatever they wanted, and they had the firepower to run it back. And the defense failed us in those two games. There are other games that I could point to the defense was, you know, a lot better, especially after Burrow goes down. If they can put those two together and DJ Reader coming back, you know, you got like Josh Tupow coming back, who I really, really like. You got Renault Ray, who I like. Like they got they got a lot of depth up front and they got beat up so much up front last year because they had a rash of injuries unlike anybody else in the division. That is very key. And that's key for everybody. If healthy, 
I think that they'll take that next step up. And I talked about that. Burrow wins five to six games by itself. Yeah. Just for anybody. And don't forget so, you with Burrow. What coach them the five win? Facts. Facts, bro. Like right. just me coming in, me coming in and motivating and just getting dudes like, bro. <laughs> like, like that's six wins. I'm I promise you. I put I put my bank account on it. So to me, you know, like okay, so if Bengals win eight, nine games, right? Somebody's gotta come down, right? I feel like the Browns have the best roster on paper, but you go as your quarterback goes. And if he doesn't keep on doing what he's doing or whatever and say like a chub or hunt or something is banged up or whatever, I would hate to rely on Baker Mayfield to carry me. That's going to be their biggest dilemma. The next thing that they have is, excuse me, what I call like the Dalton effect. You know that Baker Mayfield will never be Tom Brady or never be like what I think Joe Burrow would be, right? So at some point, they, they got to pay him soon. And once you pay them soon, you won't have an OBJ or anything like that. Now you're just a running team, interchanging running backs with a really, really good offensive line. So that's why I just see them staying right in that same spot. The Ravens are the one team I just think that, to me, they're head, head and shoulders above everybody else because fans don't like Lamar Jackson that much, right? But when we interview players like Carl Lawson or we interview like the defensive guys like Sean Williams and different things like that, you're terrified of Lamar Jackson. And when you start talking about now, I give him Tywan Wallace. Now I give him all Rashad of these receivers. Bateman, who is my favorite receiver outside give of him Chase. Bateman. You know, earlier you were saying, hey, you look, you could have gone uh, Panay, right? And then later on, there was two guys. I said, give me Elijah Moore or Bateman, and then I won't even think about Jamar Chase. But I could, to bet that those guys would have been there at, what, 38 or something like that, that's a risky bet to me. But Bateman with Lamar Jackson, like, Lamar Jackson may never still throw for 300 yards. But what it does now, Bateman now gives corners, you better respect them. Tywan mm-hmm. Wallace, you better – I feel like he's going to be a thorn in our side too. Mm-hmm. Um, you better you better respect these guys. And, and Hollywood Brown, now think about it. He's now been – what did I tell you about timing, being where you're supposed to be? They've been playing Hollywood like a number one. He's really a number three. Yeah. X X receiver on the outside, like – you know, you can interchange or do some different stuff. And I think all the things that happened to him up to this point got him to where he's at. The learning pain, the, the learning pains that he's gone with. Um, to to get to this point now, I feel like they're in the driver's seat of everything. Like Lamar Jackson mixed with Dom is now ascending. Like that's the team to me. Yeah. And um and the then defense the is still gonna be really, really good. Defense always going to be A1. Like, when we played them, like, we couldn't do nothing with them. I think Joe Burrow did a couple interviews afterwards, and he was just talking about, like, I cannot – like, I could see on his face he couldn't believe that the defense he threw, the passes that he threw, or they dominated us so bad. Like, for Bengals fans to trash Lamar Jackson as much as they do, we've never beat Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is an absolute dog animal. I wanted us to draft Lamar Jackson. Um but he is he is the the number one most electrifying player in the league. And when you're combining that with weapons, he still doesn't have to throw for 400 yards. Now teams have to respect the way yeah, have to respect Bateman because Bateman is now like that outside yeah. guy who's just gonna get open. And then you have Hollywood, he, your he, deep threat. Right now, you don't even have to pass. Even if you don't pass on, think about what they've been doing from a running perspective. They're the number one running team in the football in the National Football League anyway. Now the running lanes are wide open. That's the team that I just think that they're not going nowhere. Even when she paid him, like, they got four years and now he's saying Hollywood to like a, a, you know, whatever type of plan. Like, they could just load up and make him like one of the higher paid quarterbacks. Like, they're, they're scary. Steelers, I feel like going down because I just don't like the way they're building that roster. Like, I don't think that they've done enough. And I just think they're on the way down. And they're and they're so naive to think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to play at whatever level. He's not He's not what, you know, Tom Brady is or he's not what all these other guys are. He has a tendency when, when the games are just to be simplified, he still plays hero ball thinking that he's 30 years old. And he's not that. If he had a mental fortitude to go into the next – plateau of his career and just say I'm gonna simplify games kind of like LeBron James on a basketball court I'm not trying to jump over every single person but I'm gonna make the best plays if he were willing to do mm-hmm. that they would still be lit but they're not because they'll never be that he's he's not that type of guy 
See, Joe Burrow will play till he's 40 years old because he already knows, like, I don't have to be that. Go watch a Tom Brady, like, down by seven points game. He doesn't air it out. Like, he's dumping it off and making yeah, the plays. Four-yard passes. <laughs> if you think you're about to sack him, he's just going to fall on the ground. He's going to take the one-yard loss. He's not going to take a 12-yard loss. Right. Like, everything that Tom Brady does to win a football game, uh, whether it's drawing you off sides, taking, taking every inch that he can on a football field, uh, taking care of every different uh, matchup that he can. That's what makes Tom Brady special. That's everything that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't do. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap it up here. So really quickly, going into the season, who will be your offensive player of the year for the Bengals and defensive player of the year for the Bengals? Uh, Joe Mixon on the offensive end, who we didn't talk about at all, which is crazy. Joe Mixon, my bad, Joe. Joe Mixon um, is the offensive player. Defensive player is the best safety in football. Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates. Can't go wrong with those two. Uh, who will be the five best or greatest Bengals players you have witnessed in your lifetime? Chad Johnson, A.J. Green, Geno Atkins. Whew, I want to put Chris Henry on there. I got a special spot in my heart, I guess, for Pac-Man, just because of the impact and the playmaking ability he has. I think maybe you put Carlos Dunlap on there as well. I mean, I witnessed Willie Anderson and Whitworth too. So hold up, move those two. All right, so give me, give me Willie Anderson, uh, Whitworth, AJ Green, Chad Johnson, and Geno Atkins. Awesome. Um, so we're good. Last two things. We're gonna do a segment called Flip the Table, where we allow our guests to ask us any questions whether it's the show or just sports in general. And so yeah, let's start with that. Flip the table. Okay, what's your favorite? What, what is your team till you think they're just going to win the Super Bowl this year? Uh, what is your what what is your favorite team right now? Favorite team is actually the Chargers. I'm actually in LA right now. That's why. Yeah, so I'm in LA. Okay. Uh, Chargers I hate fan. the Chargers. No, but dang, it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, I hate. <laughs> but I only hate them by default because it's, it's Herbert. Let me actually flip the table. Who's gonna Who's gonna have a better career, Herbert or Burrow? That's a good topic, right? Because I want to say just based off, like, potential, I think you have to say Herbert because of the arm. Uh, but I think Burrow will probably last longer. I think Burrow, the longevity, as long as Burrow can stay healthy for the rest of his career, I think Burrow will have the longer career. That's, that's a tough one. That's tough. Yeah, it's sure. something I think people argue about every day on Twitter, I think. Um, but it's something, like, I got that I got that game circled on my calendar. Because we were talking about that week one game or whatever. Like, even I told AJ, like, after that, like, I just I just developed something about the Chargers after that game. I just, <laughs> I like, the Chargers after that game. And, and, the, and the fans afterwards, they all were just, like, I mean, he clearly pushed off. And I'm like, nah, he didn't. Like, 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 yeah, like they were going back and forth on the goal line. And, yeah, that, that was kind of a petty call. But like, team, I think it, it's like, you, can't, you can't call that right there. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain calls. Like, that's why with NBA refs, for example, either call everything or don't call anything, right. especially, like, in big-time moments. So that, that, was, that was kind of a petty call, in my opinion. But um, – I think you can't go wrong with KC or Tampa. Tampa brought everybody back. KC did loaded, fully loaded again. Um, the Rams can make some noise. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know. Rams are fully healthy again. Uh, if Indy gets Julio, which I think they should do anything they can to get Julio, they're, they're an X away from being maybe the second best team in the AFC in my opinion. So, Casey. See, like, see, I was looking at Julio talking to the Titans and stuff, and to <laughs> me, that doesn't – I don't like their roster. Like, I, like the idea of Julio and A.J. Brown seems crazy, but Tannehill, I just don't like their right, roster. You want to go for Matt Ryan to Brian Tannehill. <laughs> right. Like, that doesn't even – a lot of people have been saying that. Now, say he goes to, like, the Browns or something, he, he makes Baker Mayfield so much better. Right. That's a, that's a scary. Now that conversation about the Browns is totally different. I'm surprised you didn't say. I think the Ravens like. I think the Ravens like. It doesn't seem like. I think it it's so easy. Be Kansas City. And that's the pro That's the problem. Now I get it. You, they made some moves too, and also I don't like the, them trading a little Brown to Kansas City. That was really stupid to me. 
It, it's like imagine uh like Oklahoma City when KD was there. It's like Oklahoma City right. trading KD to Golden State. Like you don't do right. that. I got you. Uh, another question I ask you is like, what are your goals for the rest of the year with your podcast? Um, we going to we had a goal of hitting. I think because last year in like six months we had a thousand downloads. So our goal for this year was two thousand downloads and hitting a thousand followers on Twitter. I think we're almost, I think we might have already hit a thousand downloads for the year. So just a thousand left. And uh, we started, we're starting our own podcast network June 7th. Had to have a couple of podcasts joining the network. So uh, I like where we're going so far with the year. Sounds good, man. You're doing pretty good, man. You're asking some good questions. You're not saying a bunch of ums and stuff like that. So you're doing good. Appreciate it. And last thing for reality here, who do you want to see next on the Sports Headlines podcast and whoever it is? Try to help us get them on. <laughs> the best person I think will be uh, absolutely Joe Burrow, right? <laughs> but, you know, I, but I think we're all trying to get Joe Burrow. Right. Like, I, I, I know I'm, I'm getting Joe Burrow. You know, what, you know one thing I'm going to get Joe Burrow to do when I interview him too, it's going to change the world. Is I'm going to get Joe Burrow to commit to getting a grill. He's going to be the first quarterback with a grill. <laughs> like, I have a grill. I wear it normally on Sundays and stuff like that. I just think, like, he represents something different that I don't think the NFL has ever seen. And he mm -hmm. got this swag with him. Like, when Jamar got his grill, I remember Joe Burrow saw it. And I just was like, man. And then I see Alvin Kamara, like, with his grill. Like, mm -hmm. and then Chad where it had the gold fronts. Like, it sounds crazy and it sounds stupid to somebody watching this and saying, the hell is the world going to do? But if you ever put diamonds in your mouth and talk to people, you just talk to people a little bit different. It's, and it's I just almost think like AI for basketball, like how, you know, right. everybody, like everybody who dresses differently or whatever. Now they say, oh, yeah, AI. AI was my guy can, growing up. Yeah. Can you can you imagine a white swagged out quarterback with a bottom, <laughs> not, even, not even a full grill, just a bottom grill? Like, you know how like when Beyonce or Kanye got a bottom grill, just the bottom diamonds like going crazy, doing like, just during the games, he could take it out during the during the interviews. During the games, it will it will revolutionize football. Like every white suburban, any kid <laughs> on the outskirts of the world would then be like, you know, it's just like if Joe Burrow had braces, like kids right. would want braces. You know, like if he did that, I just think like it would make him the number one selling jersey. So when I interview him, I'm gonna tell him that I don't think he cares about that type of stuff, but I'm gonna hook him up. Right. All right. Thank you, man. Really appreciate you going. Where can people follow you at? You can follow me at Zim underscore Huday on Instagram. That's where the magic happens. Even tonight, we're going to do this thing called a players only meet and I do these lives. I've, and on Sundays, if you guys don't know, come check me out. Zim underscore Huday is very, very interesting stuff um, during Bengals games. And then Zim Huday on Twitter. Also, ZimHuday.com. I do a clothing line called Burrow Babies, and we're going to drop season two in about a week. All right. Appreciate you, man. Go uh, check out their podcast as well. It's on YouTube and stuff. They do some Madden oh, stuff yeah. as well. Um, appreciate you, man. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Online's podcast. Thank you, Zim. Who day? <laughs>